This How are you? is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is September the 6th. 2019. Strong hand. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable deferral of gratification. Oh my, we have a very special show today. Yanni Azia is here. He is the CEO and founder of eToro, the world's largest social trading network. Oh, you've heard about it before. You've seen it advertised. I've seen it advertised. Um, we're going to get a CEO's perspective on the space, on Bitcoin, on cryptocurrency, on the future. And the great thing is on September the 10th at the D and DD Summit, which will be linked to below, and Yanni's info will be linked to below, I will be moderating a discussion between him and Udi, and we'll talk more about that later. So uh, my big question here is, what, what is a social trading network in, in your definition? I mean, this is what eToro is. People are very curious about it. So uh, eToro today is uh, uh, basically the largest social trading network in the world with 11 million registered users who can trade stocks from 15 different exchanges, uh, indices, commodities, ETFs, currencies, and cryptocurrencies uh, in one of the brokerage accounts around the world. Uh, and then the reason it's a social network is because everybody actually automatically publishes their P&L, their month-by-month uh, basically performance and you can see the trade by trade data of all of the users on the platform and you can see follow and automatically copy top traders from all around the world so you can find someone who did 25% uh, uh, returns uh, in each of the last three years trading UK stocks German stocks and a bit of crypto when you copy him with, a, let's say, $1,000, what it does, it copies his entire portfolio in the same proportion to your $1,000. And every time he trades, it trades in your account at the same time and the same price. So let's say he holds an account. You don't know how much money he has in the account, but 10% of his account is in Bitcoin, 10% is in Google, uh, and 10% is in Facebook. You copy him with $1,000 it'll open on those $1,000, $100 in Google, $100 in Facebook, $100 in Bitcoin. And every time he trades, we'll trade proportionally at the same time, the same price um, in the same amount. All right, now, is the cryptocurrency aspect of the business, is it completely separate from the tradition? Because you've had this business for quite some time. I mean. Uh, since since before there was cryptocurrency or basics. So, so uh, it, it is a part of the same platform. We're one of the very few regulated brokers in the world who offer our users to trade both crypto and stocks within basically the same platform, the same user interface. You can copy people who invest both in both in stocks and in cryptocurrencies and maybe even in traditional currencies. So everything is a unified experience. You, we do also have uh, our blockchain wallet. So if you want to, you can come on and uh, basically buy Bitcoin on the platform and then transfer those Bitcoins into our multi-sig, uh, multi-blockchain uh, uh, wallet um, that, where you can basically transfer the assets. Now you've got a hold shirt on right now. So not yeah. only are you a trader <laughs> and you want people to trade, and again, I am a holder. Adam, I'm asking you all these questions because I don't really know much about trading. But uh, 
Do you see it? Do you see Bitcoin as a uh, a savings account also? I, I I wouldn't necessarily say savings. I think um, I, I don't love that term. Um, I think uh, Bitcoin. I love it as an asset class. Uh, I I think it is a first of its kind uh, as a digital native asset. Uh, I think its brand awareness around the world uh, is, you know, and has the brand awareness of the Coca-Cola and Starbucks, at least in my little eco chamber. Uh, so I definitely believe Bitcoin is here to stay and is here to stay as the king of cryptocurrencies. I, uh, but I do think that uh, it should be a part of a portfolio and people shouldn't have all of their savings and all, all of their investments only in crypto. We need to remember it's a risky asset class. Uh, stocks, capital markets, those are going to be here. Uh, even if Bitcoin supersedes and takes over all the fiat currencies in the world, you're still gonna eat McDonald's and drink Starbucks. Uh, so I think in general, People need to remember it's a, it's a great asset class. Like, by the way, I think gold is an interesting asset class as well. I think it has a huge potential upside, but it needs to be a part of a portfolio, a part of your asset allocation, not all of it. Okay, well, let's dig a little deeper down. So are you saying that the, the asset class is cryptocurrency or the asset class is Bitcoin? Is, is Bitcoin a completely different animal than the rest of the altcoins? Um, I think it's simply, you know, it's, 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 it's king. Uh, so for a lot of people, when you talk about crypto and Bitcoin, it's, it's synonymous, uh, especially those outside of the ecosystem. Um, I, I think crypto asset class, so again, let's take this a bit macro. I think I, I, I love Bitcoin, but I also love blockchain, which is a bit different. Some Bitcoin maximalists think blockchain is a complete bollocks and you know it doesn't make sense to talk about the technology uh, when i started trading bitcoin a lot of it was because i was excited about the technology and the reason for it is because i run a fintech company i've been connected to the banking system uh and trading venues and liquidity providers of the world so i truly understand how bro broken the current financial services industry is from a technical point of view. And I think the concept of blockchain and digital native assets is a revolutionary concept that should be applied to every single asset in the world. And those are, and let me just explain what are those uh, features. I, my requirement, by the way, both as a business and as a per person, is for every native asset, for any financial asset that I hold, I want to have the ability to transfer the ownership to my own account and, and remove it. So if it's in a bank or a broker, I want to be able to move it to my own ledger and to move it 24 seven to whomever I want. I think that's a feature that's a great feature that any financial assets need to have as part of the definition of what is a digital native asset. And if that happens, then we're talking about a transition of, I don't know, $100 trillion into the blockchain. So all of those new assets, whether you know, tokenized assets, whether stable coins, whether it's Libra, those all fall under 
sort of an umbrella of, of crypto assets or digital native assets. Um, and I'm a very big believer in that transition in parallel to Bitcoin as a store of value and as a hedge against governments. All right. You've, you've explained it well. Now, I know there are a lot of people that disagree, you know, putting everything on the blockchain type of thing, but you're, you're aiming real high with this. And you brought up a lot of topics that I got to cover right now. But Bitcoin dominance has hit 70% again. Is this a short-term thing? What, what's your... Uh, so, so, so again, let's split this into three. There are things like stable coins, things that haven't emerged yet, like art on the blockchain or, uh, you know, di digital rights on the blockchain, revenue share stuff on the blockchain, all, you know, things that haven't emerged. And there are there existing crypto assets like whether it's Ethereum or XRP uh, or BNB. I, I, I actually... I'm not again. I am a very pro-innovation guy. Um, I'm an innovator myself. Uh, I love technology. Uh, I've been in technology and, and trading since I was very young. So one, I love the concepts of capital markets, and I love the concepts of of innovation and internet in general. I think a lot of the crypto movement unifies those two very very interesting markets of, of money and something that's tradable with the ability to innovate and to collaborate around innovation. I think that each of the different crypto assets have a theoretical value and a theoretical utility. Whether one of them will ever be as big as Bitcoin, I don't think so. Whether some of them have value, I definitely think so. Um, I, and and in, in each, there is a different type of value, right? So it's really about the execution ability. So what you're asking is, is the team around a specific crypto asset, are they good enough to increase the value uh, and the utility of that crypto asset in relation to its value today? Which is a, it's the same as you'd ask around the stock, right? So you buy a stock of a company, there's a lot of intrinsic value you can analyze, like the profits, revenues, etc. Here you don't have that, but the main question you should ask, can the management team take this company sort of and grow it to basically support the growth of a stock? So it's the same around, if it's XRP, you're talking about Ripple Labs. If it's Ethereum, you're talking about the entire group of the Ethereum development uh, network uh, or foundation. Uh, and e if it's BNB, it's obviously the Binance ecosystem. For each, there is a theory of why it makes sense and how big it potentially can be. All right. I want everyone watching this show. This has been a great one so far. Pound that like button, everybody. You mentioned Ethereum. I was I had this lined up. Ethereum has been in the news the last few weeks. All over social media, people have been down on Ethereum. Uh, what's your take? Are you down? Are people really just playing, uh, writing it off too early here? I think people are writing it off. If people are writing it off, I'm not sure who's writing. I think people who are writing it off are people who, wrote, who never wrote it in the first place. Uh, so I, I haven't seen a lot of Ethereum enthusiasts throwing Ethereum away. I saw a lot of Bitcoin maximalists increasing their anti-Ethereum tone, um, uh, which again, I understand. 
I think Bitcoin maximalism is sort of like, uh, you know, with, uh, priests of religion uh, that are protecting that religion. Uh, and, and, you know, when there's something that's religion-like, a lot of times the priests or guardians of that religion would by definition attack anything that's not sort of within that ecosystem. And Ethereum is, is basically today the second, right? It's second to Bitcoin. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, there's a, it's a significant second. Um, but, but I think that creates, nobody in the Bitcoin ecosystem wants to see Ethereum succeed, let's say more than it is today and even wanted to fail just to prove the point that Bitcoin is the only digital store of value. Um, and, and I'm not 100% behind that concept of, of sort of Bitcoin as religion. But though, I, again, I understand the role. Like, I, I understand the role of miners. Miners mine to have block rewards uh, to make money. Um, the, the guardians of the Bitcoin religion are trying to protect its value as the king of Bitcoin, as the king of crypto. Now, I mean, you, and you did say earlier that you, really don't see anything surpassing Bitcoin in the future in, in what it does. I, I definitely think Bitcoin as, as a crypto asset, as a cryptocurrency, uh, my, my intuition is, it, you know, you will not, it will never lose its kingdom. Um, and the reason is uh, not necessarily the level of decentralization, which I think is important, um, and not necessarily uh, the, the technology, uh, which I think is important. Uh, I think it's really around the community around it, which is quite resilient, um, and the fact that, and its brand awareness. I think I think the you can't buy what Bitcoin means to probably hundreds of millions of people today already. Uh, you, you can't buy that for money. It's very hard to surpass that. Again, that's one person's view who runs a company where people trade crypto alongside other assets. So yeah, one of my slogans is Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Like it's not being all, many coins try to be the next Bitcoin, only Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. With that in mind, is Ethereum the next Ethereum though? For what it does, is there a pot, do you have the same confidence uh, that, and with its brand that's very well known, that it cannot be surpassed. Are you as strong in your belief uh, in terms of Ethereum as you are in, in Bitcoin not being surpassed? That, that Ethereum so, I, I think, again, for every crypto asset, you need to figure out what is the utility of, of that crypto asset. I think Bitcoin main utility today is uh, a censorshipless, uh, store of value that has the, fee the transfer features uh, built in, into it, right? Uh, so, and I think that's really the, the, today, the main sort of core value of Bitcoin is that store of value. And as such, I think it's the king of crypto in that category. Uh, and it represents a hedge against government. So really its utility is how many more people buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin is the utility of Bitcoin, which is quite interesting. Where Ethereum, as an example, has another utility. And the utility of Ethereum is really the usefulness of the Ethereum network. It's about how many people create decentralized apps that run on Ethereum and use gas 
uh, and how many active users are using those dApps and increase the usage of gas on the Ethereum network. So far, we ha we've seen initial success for the Ethereum protocol with the ICOs. Uh, and I think we sort of also saw the, you know, sort of, let's, let's call it sort of demise uh, of sort of the run-free ICO rally that we've seen in 2017. Um, but I still think, you know, I, I have MetaMask on my laptop. I used several dApps. I bought some CryptoKitties. So I think there is value. Um, but the real value of Ethereum will emerge as the ecosystem matures and as there is a direct correlation between how many users use it, dApps on the Ethereum network, how many dApps there are, how much gas is used. And you can sort of, in every asset, look for the same analysis, right? BNB, the main utility of BNB is sort of discounts on the BNB network, staking for IEOs, benefits basically that they're inventing and pouring into their ecosystem. So if you believe in the Binance ecosystem and uh, let's call it corporate governance that will keep on that relationship between the Binance ecosystem, Binance users and the token, then potentially it could rise. There's a lot of trust embedded into this ecosystem when there are clear teams, you know, whether it's Ripple Labs with SRP uh, or whether it's the Tron Foundation. In each of them, you need to trust the team to support that token for its utility. Let's, let's talk about something you brought up briefly. Uh, it was, uh, you said stable coins and Libra. Now, Libra has obviously been in the news. The guy you'll, we'll be on stage with uh, in a few days, uh, Udi, says Libra's not happening. What's your thought on Libra? And uh, is it, is it going to happen? You're, you're in a bit innovation guy, so I think I know what you're saying. Um, yes, I think Libra is going to happen. Um, I think um, generally uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's a very smart nice uh, effort project uh, driven by Facebook, uh, very, very inspired from the crypto community, uh, though some crypto uh, people would not like to admit it. Uh, they have uh, launched an open source blockchain. Um, they have been calling it a crypto. Um, it, it has initially uh, uh, a network of 100 validators, somewhat reminding stuff like EOS or XRP, et cetera, again, other crypto assets, uh, and, and supported in theory, pseudo-anonymous transfers on the network. That's the initial white paper. So I think all of that means they actually launched a very nice white paper and potentially could raise billions upon billions of dollars for Libra. Will it happen? Yes, I think Facebook will launch it because Mark is Facebook, Facebook is Mark, uh, and I think it's going to be hard for people to stop someone like Mark. That's my, that, that's my view. I might be wrong. The, the market forces might be stronger than I think, um, but it's a similar sort of structure as Ethereum. Has anybody stopped Ethereum yet? Has anybody closed Ethereum? Is anybody uh, sort of after Vitalik and the Ethereum Foundation? 
No. So, so why is Libra so different than people think it will be stopped? I don't know. Will, is there a good chance that regulators, that it's going to be a more closed ecosystem? There is a good chance they'll have to make concessions with regulators uh, to make sure that um, they're able to protect sort of anti-money laundering rules, etc. So will they launch exactly what they said in the white paper? I think they'll have to make concessions towards regulators uh, to make it something that Udi would probably say, so they just did another Apple. Um, but they did, uh, sorry, another uh, PayPal. Um, but I think, you know, Facebook building their own PayPal together with PayPal and Coinbase uh, and uh, Visa and MasterCard and other group of companies building sort of an open source payment network is a cool thing. And it's cool that it's based on the blockchain. Well, this is the thing. Uh, the, the government bureaucrats, I think, they are used to the paradigm where countries are more powerful than companies. And the way it looks to outsiders is that Libra is going to make its own currency. And thus, Facebook is going to become more powerful than many countries. And I like that. I, I like that a lot. What's, what's your take on this? Uh, is it all right? Uh, first of all, First of all, Apple, Microsoft, um, Google, Facebook are already bigger and stronger and more impactful on the world than most countries. Not all countries, but most countries. Um, you know, with a billion users here and a two billion users there, uh, they're they're quite powerful as is, and, and I think. We are living in a very interesting time where we have four forces. By the way, these forces were there even before crypto. But I think now we're starting to see sort of the clash of those forces. It's the large, large tech companies. It's the regulators and governments. It's the libertarian uh, cyberpunk movement, which started all this. Um, and it's uh, the traditional financial institution system, which is a very powerful industry. Yes. I actually, I do think, maybe I'm naive, um, I do think eventually tech companies have a, a relatively good moral um, and sort of moral compass. And what they don't have, and I love that, so if, is they don't have weapons. Um, so, so for, you know, I prefer giving more power to entities that don't have weapons than to giving more power to entities that have weapons in, in general. Um, but I think it's a very big, you know, we don't know, and, and then multiply these four sort of forces by the ones, you know, in the different countries, right? Because we are living in the era of trade wars, of populist leaders uh, sort of uh, becoming uh, the new type of leaders uh, or, or who, whoever is shouting louder, uh, which is not, by the way, a great thing in my opinion, but that's what we're seeing right now. Um, so those forces of trade wars, of the changing ecosystem together with this technological paradigm shift, uh, I think we're just at the beginning of it. And I think 
20 years from today, we're going to be in a very different world than we live in today. I, I agree. It's the beginning of a golden age. Pound that like button, people. You brought up the four players. One of them works with traditional finance, uh, which is very, very powerful. Uh, Van Eck, backed. All these, uh, we hear names that are going to enter the space. What is, what is your take in, uh, uh, in what's about to happen? The news broke, obviously, this week uh, that Van Eck is coming up with uh, a sort of ETF that's not for the general public, I guess. Um, what's, what's the role of traditional finance in, uh, in, the, in the space? Or should people be worried? I, I think it's great. I think in general, it's the same role that uh, um, newspapers had in the internet. Um, so the, the smart ones will adapt, uh, right? So media companies that ran newspapers who figured out how to adapt to the internet potentially grew bigger. Uh, the internet is bigger than the newspaper industry, but uh, whoever learned how to build a website and do clickbait articles, uh, managed to, to grow their business through the internet. Um, so I think traditional finance is going to use blockchain because blockchain is going to eat eventually traditional finance. The ones who are adapting to it fast um, are, are the smart ones who are going to survive this paradigm shift. Venek in general are very crypto bullish. I love you know what they're doing. Uh, Jean Venek uh, uh, and Gabor uh, are, are very sort of determined uh, uh, to see this uh, uh, Venek ETF uh, coming up. And I think uh, they found a nice, logical, um, potential solution uh, to make it only accessible for accredited investors, I think, or institutions. Um, and let's see. Let's see if it gets approved. I think it's a great step in the ecosystem to enable more traditional investors to buy Bitcoin. We want traditional investors to buy Bitcoin. Traditional investors, you know, pension funds, uh, asset managers will find it very hard to buy Bitcoin, regular Bitcoin, let's call it. So it makes sense for it to be wrapped uh, uh, as an ETF. Um, and, you know, things like backed uh, or, you know, which is uh, sort of a spin of a vice, um, I think having more participants in the ecosystem is generally a positive thing. Do I think there is a lot of appetite right now? I'm not sure how big that the appetite is of institutional investors running into crypto, um, but let's see. Well, everything will be transparent. Uh, so, you know, when something like a Venek ETF launches, at least one thing is for sure, we'll be able to see its AUM, like we can see the AUM of GBTC, of the grayscale. Uh, OTC traded uh, um, fund. Now, so yeah, we, it will be interesting to see if they really do have as big of an interest, the traditional finance people uh, that we've been led on to believe. Now in the current state, uh, and you see your numbers, how many people use uh, trade crypto at, at the site and everything, uh, retail, regular people, from the people I've been talking to, it appears to me we haven't had too many new retail people lately. Uh, get into Bitcoin. Regular Joes and Janes, I don't, no. I don't think they're buying crypto. Crypt what are your numbers like? What do you think is going on currently? So we have seen a significant pickup from uh, the crypto winter era. Okay. 
right? Which is in, isn't that long ago, six months ago. So we've seen significant pickup in the interest in cryptocurrencies over the past six months, uh, sort of from Q1 to Q2, we saw, you know, at least growth of 200 to 300%, if not more in the level of interest of consumers in crypto. We're still very far off from the level of interest there was in December 2017. Now, whether that uh, will come back anytime soon, uh, is, is, I, I think it's an open question. Um, so uh, that's a, a recent realization I had is while everybody's expecting sort of crypto rally 2.0 to come, I'm not sure necessarily that's the, the most probable scenario. I think there's a good chance we're going to see Bitcoin going up maybe to 50,000, but it's going to take, you know, five to 10 years of, of gradually going up through gradual adoption, uh, through maturity of the network, through gradually more and more and more people buying it. I think there is a, a possibility, a scenario where it goes from 10,000 to 50,000 in two months, but that's not necessarily the best thing for the ecosystem. And, and we saw that last time uh, because a lot, a lot of people ended up disappointed when it did a, a jump like that. But I warn people, yeah. I'm, I, I say, you know, it's a roller coaster. It's so early. Don't get discouraged because of tremendous drops. Over the long run, it is going up. Now, you're a marketing guy. I mean, you, I, again, I, I, your show's, it's advertised, eTor is advertised on uh, the Ben Shapiro show. I've heard it on. I've seen it banner ads. You just sponsored Ru Russell Oaken's event in LA. Uh, but this halving that we have coming up, a Bitcoin halving, and I'm going to tie it all together in a second, that's natural marketing for Bitcoin. Could that be the trigger to, to send, instead of, instead of a 10-year gradual buildup, which was one of your scenarios, could that be the trigger to wake people up? Because most people don't know about the halving now. I mean, if you took a survey, people, I, I bet most people on your site that are playing around, but they don't know what the halving is. <laughs> They're just in it to make, make money. So could the, the halving be a natural marketing uh, tool? And uh, what are your thoughts on the halving? I, I think the ha what the halving does, it reduces inflation in, in Bitcoin. And it reduces it for the first time under the inflation of uh, gold. Uh, so it's suddenly becoming almost uh, by definition, a deflationary asset, uh, you know, from an expected deflationary asset, it actually be, is becoming a deflationary asset compared to all assets post-having. Uh, so there's gonna be less, less block rewards that uh, miners can sell on the market and pressure price down. Um, so, so from a purely logical point of view, is that something that, sh that should support price? Yes, 100%, but efficient market theorem says it's potentially already baked in the price. Uh, because every, everybody knows having it is coming. So if everybody knows having is coming and it ha might have an impact, it doesn't it mean that every person who is basing his trading strategy on having should have already bought Bitcoin since he knows having is coming. So again, there's always a question of what is already baked into the price, I still think there are a lot of people holding crypto, that if crypto now rises to 20,000, a lot of them are going to sell. And as long as that's the case, there's sort of a, a, a resistance there. 
but again, this is, you know, this is the markets. The markets have the life of its own. We can wake up a month from today in Bitcoin at 5,000 or at 50,000. In the long term, 100% I agree. Uh, you know, as long as Bitcoin remains king, which I assume it does, uh, we're, we're going to see, you know, a, a significant up, uh, uptick in price compared to today. How long it takes, how exactly it happens is, uh, is something we'll need to, to watch the markets. In this this market, um, I think you give I think you give the market a lot of uh, credit for its knowledge. I mean, just uh, two years ago, people were in the same market where they thought these ICOs were totally legitimate. I I think the market is is made up of a lot of people who do not understand what they're even do what they're what they're doing that uh, what what the having is. So I mean, you said everybody knows about the having. I think I think very few people. So I I just wanted to toss that out there that uh i mean i remember last time around as more and more people found out about this having thing the price did go up that then it started to be priced in in my opinion at least and it was it, a lot of stories were written about it more and more there's a lot of having hype and i see something similar like that uh happening this time but we will we will have to see there's still, there's still some time by having we we have some time we you know yeah. So, so th that might happen, but maybe three, six months from today. Yes. Well, the 20, it's not even 2020 yet. I don't, I don't want to rush things. I'm enjoying it. All right. You, you know, I didn't even know eToro was based in Israel. I had, I had no clue uh, until I was told, you know, you would do behind it. And I was like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? What about the, you've been all over the world. What, what about the Israeli uh, crypto ecosystem? Is it, is it bigger, better? Uh, what's your take on the ecosystem? Uh, there, well, there are a lot, I think, 100 to 200 crypto companies in Israel, uh, startups. Uh, I think uh, a lot of interest in the ecosystem, uh, a lot of great tech uh, around cybersecurity and crypto assets coming from Israel, uh, around sort of custody, um, security of crypto assets. Uh, some uh, interesting uh, sort of companies that, uh, you know, like Blocks that does uh, portfolio management across all of your crypto assets, ledgers, exchanges. Uh, so I think there are a lot of interesting uh, companies in Israel, a very vibrant sort of uh, ecosystem of innovators. Uh, we have Ether Real also coming here to Israel. Uh, in two weeks and the DDND conference. Uh, so I think it's a great ecosystem. It's growing. There's a lot of challenges for people on the aspect of actually getting money in and money out of, out of Israel that people are, aren't familiar with. Uh, so the banking industry is very anti-crypto in Israel. Um, so it's hard for people to actually convert crypto assets back into fiat, uh, into Israeli bank accounts. Uh, so there's a high level of regulatory uncertainty, um, but I think in general, the same as, you know, fintech is a very big ecosystem. There's about 600 fintech companies in Israel. I think at least five fintech unicorns uh, in Israel. Uh, and I think that fintech and blockchain have a lot of connectivity between them. 
All right. Um, I, I tell people, value your wealth in Bitcoin. Don't, you don't need to change it back in the shekels, people. Once you got the Bitcoin, just, just live, in the Bitcoin, uh, live in the Bitcoin world. Well, tell us it, it, at eToro, what's the latest news over there? What's, your big, what's, what's the big stuff you got to share with the world? It's, it's time to promote the, 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 the company on here. What, what's the latest and greatest thing going on in eToro? So, uh, you know, we're very excited about the launch in the U.S. We're very new in the U.S. Uh, we've been running eToro for the past uh, 12 years around the world. We have offices in Australia, in China, in uh, three places in Europe, in the U.K., in South Africa. So very excited about launching our crypto platform in the U.S. Um, outside the U.S., we offer both stock trading and crypto. Uh, very uh, looking forward to do that also in the U.S. within the next uh, uh, six uh, months, sort of launching our complete offering in the U.S. Um, very excited about eToroX. We launched recently our crypto assets exchange. So eToro in its core is a social trading platform where you can buy both stocks and crypto assets, but it's a fiat in, fiat out ecosystem. We have then the wallet which enables you to transfer assets from the trading platform into the wallet. And we just recently launched eToroX, which basically enables people to uh, trade any crypto assets to one another. But together with that, we actually build our own issuance platform and launched 12 stable coins. We're actually gonna launch a couple of additional stable coins uh, in the next uh, couple of months. Uh, and the stable could basically cover uh, the top 10 fiat, gold and silver. So we're the only crypto asset exchange where you can actually trade Euro dollar, gold dollar, gold Bitcoin, Litecoin, Euro yen, pound, all of the combinations of both crypto assets and our 12 stable coins. And we're gonna now launch uh, another range of stable coins. So we're connecting, and that's really how we look at the role of eToro in the blockchain industry uh, or the crypto industry. We're sort of the bridge between the traditional world uh, of sort of trading and investing and this new exciting world of crypto trading. Well, you, I was going to ask you about stable coins. Uh, you've got, you've got a, a lot invested in it, it seems like, in, in terms of you believe in stable coins. You really do. Do you have any, any, because there's a lot of people that are just like so blah about it, but it seems like you're on the other side of things. What, what, what is up? I, I, I think, again, we deal so much with the traditional financial services industry. Um, and, and, you know, I've had that experience of working with, uh, you know, uh, probably four or five dozen financial institutions, banks, their APIs. For me, the ability, again, to take a euro, a dollar, a yen, a pound, gold, silver, an asset, and being able to transfer that asset from any place to any place, 24-7, um, with low fees, and being able to transfer it into my ledger, and then I decide where to send it next, I think that is an embedded feature that needs to be embedded in any financial asset in the world, period. I, I think that's a, that should become eventually a requirement that if you offer financial services to people, you need to enable them to 
download the assets to their own ownership and send it to whomever you want. You don't need to control it as a financial intermediary anymore. And I think that's what stablecoin represents. Stablecoin represents uh, basically a, a next step in, uh, in the balance sheet of companies and how they can enable that balance sheet to move uh, between people, between companies in a click of a button through blockchain technology. Wow, Yanni Azia, what a guest. The CEO perspective on this uh, gigantic crypto ecosystem. Remember, on the, was it Tuesday the 10th, uh, the, the D and DD Summit, it is linked to below. He'll be on stage with Udi and, and me and we're gonna, have a, we're gonna have a blast. So everybody come to that Tel Aviv Blockchain Week. It's basically already started. Fly in, hang out at Bitcoin Embassy, see everybody. This is quite a town for Bitcoin, for cryptocurrency. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, say goodbye? Thank you very much for having me. And go to eToro.com uh, or download our app to see how people actually know how to trade crypto. All right. All right. This, is, this has been a pleasure, Yanni. I really hope you... Uh, Return to the show in the future. I can't wait to meet you in person uh, on, on Tuesday. It is going to be a blast. All right, everybody. That is it. That was, next week. that was this week in Bitcoin. What a classic. Remember, check out all the links below. Pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel and Shabbat Shalom. We will see you here Saturday. There's a new show here every day. This Week in Bitcoin is every Friday. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye.